Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on what looks to be a beautiful weekend in Colorado. It's going to be, I think, close to 60 up here at my studio in Fort Collins the next couple days. Uh, Then a little cold. Winter comes back. It's going to be really cold next week. We're going to get below zero next week. We're going to get some more snow. We're going to get cold. You know, we've been talking a lot about open water on the show. We're going to continue that because even with this cold streak coming in, uh, things are going to change rapidly. But this could extend. We're going to have ice fishing for a while in the mountains. And this could extend our ice fishing here on the front range. So we'll touch on that later in the show, too, and tell you what's going on, some of the places you might get right in your backyard. We're also going to cover some other winter activities. Uh, there's some park activities going on, full moon hike going on later today. We'll tell you about that. We're going to talk about uh, harassing wildlife a little bit, uh, not intentionally, but maybe some of the things you do that could make it tough on them in this part of the winter when it's the toughest part of the year for them. And our dog expert in the second hour, Ben Garcia, is going to talk about why you might not want to buy a stuffed animal when you're training your dog. So we got a lot to cover today. But right now, let's go right to the phones. We are privileged to have the vice president of Trout Unlimited. He's the editor of Trout Magazine. He's a editor at large for Field and Stream. Uh, you know, Kirk Dieter, if I go through your whole resume, we won't have time to talk. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, Terry. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I appreciate you, know, you keep track of me better than I do. So. <laughs> but you know what? Um, in all honesty, uh, it is great to have you on. And there's some things going on. And there's one that could be really positive, And we want people to get involved a little bit and maybe talk to their congressman. And I wrote about this, by the way, a couple years back. You remember when that big mine leak happened? Up in uh, oh, yeah. the up in the area in southwest Colorado, and the the river was running orange, and we were all horrified. Well, there's a lot of uh, mines like that around, and there's uh, some legislation that might help improve that. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, a bill's been introduced now that would be we call it um, a Good Samaritan law, which would allow a group like Trout Unlimited or others to go in and help clean up um, mine sites, smaller mine sites, not so much the big super fun. That's a different thing. But this is, there are 33,000 mines throughout the West. There are holes. You know, back in history, a miner would go dig, uh, find what they would find, and then move on. But what happens is groundwater leaches into those holes left behind, and then that seeps back out and ultimately ends up in some uh, headwater creeks and rivers and so on and so forth. And w- until now, you know, one of the problems has been we can't really touch them because if you get in there, you, you're assuming a liability for that mess, even though if you didn't create the mess. And so the bill that's proposed um, is is a bipartisan bill. You know, both sides of the aisle are agreeing, and, and our Senator Bennett is on board as part of that, but it was introduced by Martin Heinrich from New, New Mexico and James Rich from Idaho. And we're talking about trying to lift that burden of liability so that people can go in and fix some of these 
headwaters, um, streams that are affected by mine pollution. And there's, you know, believe it or not, Terry, I mean, it's just baby steps. Um, we're, we're, we're hoping to change the mindset, but 40% of our Western headwater streams are somewhat polluted by abandoned hard rock mines. And we need to fix that. Well, you're absolutely right. And you touched on the reason why, you know, first of all, most of these are too small to qualify for Superfund cleanup. And the second part is that the government just doesn't have the resources and time to address them. So they end up damming things up, trying to do Band-Aids on them. And that's why we got that big breakout a few years ago. Uh, and the water just ran orange down the stream. And you're talking heavy metals and arsenic. I mean, these aren't these aren't very friendly things that leach into these rivers. And there's miles and miles of river that are virtually not available to the public right now because they're polluted by these mines. And there's also this water eventually can end up in our drinking water. So this is tremendous. And you mentioned the liability. The liability, it used to be you didn't dare, like it was the government themselves when that one broke loose a few years ago. The EPA was in there trying to work on it when that broke free. Well, they're kind of immune from lawsuits because of the government. If that had been a private entity under existing law, they would have been responsible for that outbreak, yet they would have been trying to mitigate the potential damage. And so with these smaller ones, this bill is going to allow people like Trout Unlimited to get in there, people who have resources. And I know Trout Unlimited is firmly behind this. I would imagine that you guys have shovel-ready projects almost that you would like to see go forward. Yeah, you know, that's true. And the way the bill is outlined is there will be 15 pilot projects. And, and that allows for people to see that the concept works. You know, as I understand it, I'm not an engineer. I'm an editor, but as I understand it, um, it's not rocket science. This is stuff that can be done. This is doable work where we can make a measurable difference. And if the bill passes, we'll be able to go out and prove that. And then who knows from there? We get, we, and it, what it does is it starts the snowball down the hill and keeps us out of this gridlock with poisoned rivers. Um, and it, it moves it moves us in a positive direction. Well, and just so people, you know, don't think that the people can just go out haphazardly if this passes and work on these, there'll still be a very rigorous permitting process. You'll have to submit plans and they'll be reviewed. So it isn't going to be haphazard. It's going to be legitimate scientific plans that are put together, engineered, put together, and then implemented, but they're on smaller scales. So groups like Trout Unlimited or, you know, virtually any affinity group or any any entity, even smaller government agencies that has some money to do this, you know, if you're if you're like in the around Gunnison, I, and I have no inside knowledge, but let's just say Gunnison has some money, and I happen to be on one of the boards that does the um, grants for the excise tax, and they came to us and we matched it. Well, they might be able to put together a plan for a part of a tributary that runs into the Gunnison itself. So you're not only you're not only mitigating damage to these small streams where these mines are, but that water ends up in our water supply too, Kirk. That's right, Terry. And, you know, again, what we're really talking about is changing a mindset or changing a system. Who knows where this ultimately leads? It looks really great to me. 
the future if, if we're able to pull this off and the bill passes. Um, you know, it, it moves beyond the status quo, and the status quo is not good in, in 40% of our rivers, headwater streams in the West. So uh, anything that we can do, I think, to move in that direction is really positive, and that's why we're happy to have so much bipartisan support. Again, it's not left, not right. It's just doing the right thing. Exactly. You know, also selfishly, if this bill works and we get some of these mine sites mitigated and cleaned up, it's going to open up miles of small streams and rivers to recreation that right now are closed. Yeah, I think, you know, again, looking way down the road, that's where it's pointed. If fish like clean water, people like clean water. Uh, you know, everybody benefits from clean water. And it, it all flows downhill, so the impact is felt miles and miles away from the source. So, um, you know, this is just a matter of doing the right thing and working in that and working in that vein, mining pun intended, but uh, the, the, whole, the whole idea that somehow, some way, we endeavor to make our waters cleaner for future generations, sure, that opens recreational possibilities well down the line, too. Well, just before we went on the air this morning, I posted a link to an article from Trout Unlimited that explains the bill and gives you access and names to the senators and congressmen involved. And I would encourage everybody to uh, support this. There's, as long as it's done properly, there's no absolutely no reason not to support this. Everybody benefits, whether you're an angler, whether you're uh, an environmentalist, whether you just want good, clean water coming out of your tap. Uh, this could benefit everybody that lives in the West, and it, the problem does exist mostly in the Western United States. So go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. The last two posts I put up, one was an article I wrote a couple of years ago for the Denver Post addressing this, and the other one is the informational article that the Fishing Wire had from Crowd Unlimited. Between those, you should be able to get all the information. And don't just sit by and wait for it to happen. Even though it's well-sponsored, it's bipartisan, agendas get in the way, people get busy, amendments are thrown in that kill legislation. Make sure you get to your congressmen and senators and support this bill. Tell them it's important to the outdoor community and that we all vote. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Kirk, this is you're right. This could be a game-changer, couldn't it? It could be, and I, I you know, I can't, it warms my heart to, ha- to A, to be here and, and talk to you again, but the fact that you lead your show with this, and it, it comes down to the fact that, you know, a lot of the fun and games that we have out there in the outdoors aren't possible without the resources, and if we don't take care of those, uh, we're out of luck. So it means the world to me that you put this for, foremost and, and, and put this in front of your audience, and I hope they do act on it, too. Well, I, I hope so, too, and I thank you for that. But I think it's important to all of us. Let's switch gears a minute. Um, let's talk a little bit. Have you been doing any winter fly fishing, or have you been just being a snow bunny and having fun? <laughs> well, I, I don't, it's been many, many years since anyone might have considered me a snow bunny, but I will tell you, <laughs> I have been doing some skiing. I went skiing yesterday, and I'm going to do some uh, cross-country skiing today. It's beautiful, and I'm really excited about the snow that's coming our way. Uh, we need it. 
We always need it. I'll never complain about that. I am going to do some fishing next week, and I'm on my way to Texas uh, in two weeks to do a little bit of fishing down there. So looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. So what is the snowpack? Are you up in the steamboat area now? Is that right? That's correct. So, you know, we were doing great guns through Christmas and New Year's, and then we had a pretty dry July and into the first part of February. And we got hit with a storm this week. We got maybe nine or ten inches. Um, but we're really hoping that what they say might be one to three feet next week turns into one to three feet. Yeah, hopefully. You know, on the front range, we're actually ahead for the year now um, with the yeah. snow we've gotten, and which is great. Um, I went out, Horsetooth Reservoir was virtually full. I drove by there. Um, so we're doing better than I, we were going into things last year at this point. But you and I both know until about April, we won't have much of an idea. And then it'll still be dependent on the rain. But with the state we came out of things at the end of last year, I think uh, a major snowpack is is going to be critical to maintaining our, our water, both for all uses in the West, recreation or otherwise. Another thing I want to touch on base touch base with you on before you go is I know the fly show is just in Denver. We haven't had outdoor shows for quite a while. In March, we're going to have the ISE show coming up in late March, by the way, folks. Um, I'll be giving away tickets for that, so stay tuned uh, over the next few weeks. But um, I, did you or any of the people you know have some feelings about how that went? Were people receptive? They were. I think that um, it wasn't as as large as it has been in years past in the high heyday, but it, and it was a new venue um, out at the Gaylord Event Center, and um, that, that's by the large though, Terry. The, the whole point was just being there, and it was a success. It was good crowds. And it was safe crowds, and um, they did their best. And I think just people seeing each other. So much of fishing, as you know, is so much more than just pulling on fish. It's the people you hang out with and the stuff that you work with and the fun gear that you get to play with and all that stuff. And it came together well at the show this year, and it's going to come together well at ISE. It's going to come together more and more as we climb out of this shell. So we're all we're all looking forward to a good year ahead and, and we're excited about what, where things stand in fishing and, and just hope that we can keep building this momentum and keep moving forward. I couldn't agree more. It's going to be nice to have contact with my listeners in person and a little later, about a minute left. What's going on in trout magazine and why should people bother to subscribe? Well, we have a really good issue this time. We, we talk about, um, one of the, our stories is about uh, neonics, which is like how seeds are and, and agriculture. And we're wondering what the impact is on bugs for fly fishing. So you want to check that story out. Uh, really amazing photo essay of underwater photography. Every fish photo in this issue of trout is an underwater photograph. Um, and it's just pretty that way. We, we thought we'd take a whirl at it and see how it turned out. And it turned out great. So I'm real proud of this issue of, Hope people like it. How do you subscribe? www.tu.org. You know, anyone, Trout Unlimited, tu.org, and you can click on the join. And if you're a member, 35 bucks a year, you get the magazine four times a year. 
And the magazine alone is worth the, well, everything, not to mention that that money will go to things like we started talking about at the beginning of the show, cleaning up these mines, conservation projects, just a great organization. Kirk, we've got to run, but thank you for joining us. Hopefully people will go read those articles on my Facebook page and we'll get people behind this. Thanks for everything, Terry. It's always great to talk to you, and I hope to see you in person very soon. All right. Thanks, Kirk. That's Kirk Dieter from Trout Unlimited. Just a great resource. And, folks, this is something we can all get behind. Go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, read the last two posts, and just act on it. Don't just sit back and wait for somebody else to act. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back, we're going to take you to one of the state parks where if you're looking for something to do tonight, you might just have a way to have a really great time. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Locations up and down the Front Range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, do yourself a favor and just check one out. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from State Forest State Park is Emily Graham. Good morning, Emily. Hello, good morning. You know what? It's beautiful down here, and I got a feeling it's going to be pretty nice up there. And you've got an event coming up we're going to talk to people about in a minute. But let's cover a few other things first. First, how is the weather up there? Is it as beautiful as it is down here? It is. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's not a cloud in the sky, and it's pretty warm for a February day. That's awesome. Tell people where uh, State Forest State Park is located. So State Forest State Park is over by Cameron Pass, about 30 minutes east of Walden, Colorado. Yep, man. From where I live in Fort Collins, we just take Highway 14 right up, go over the pass, and we're right there. And there's lots of activities. Now, normally, I talk a lot about the fishing at North Michigan Reservoir this time of the year, but that's unavailable right now because you're doing some dam work. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And, of course, you've got some high mountain lakes that people can hike into, and you've got the ranger lakes. But most of the fishing activity up there right now probably isn't going to come into play until spring and summer. But you have so much more to do up there, don't you? Have you got camping available now? We do, yes. We have camping available all year round. Um, and then we do have six cabins on the park that are also available all year right now. And you know, those cabins, If on my uh, YouTube channel, I have a couple of shows that I filmed up at North Michigan, and those cabins are just beautiful, and they're right on the lake. Now, whether you're going up there now for the other activity activities or when North Michigan Reservoir opens up again, I mean, they butt right up against the reservoir, and they're just beautiful. And, and anywhere in that park at any time, you're liable to see wildlife, aren't you? Yes, you are. Yeah, there's... You can see wildlife from anywhere, and there's there's beautiful views no matter where you're at in the park. You know, one of the main draws for wildlife up there is the moose. And I understand, I don't think, I I bet you about every, at least every other time I come up there, I see a moose either from the road or while I'm walking back to a lake or something. They are just the most majestic. You have quite a moose population there, don't you? Yes, we do. It's... (coughs) quite insane actually i see it most probably every week since i've been here yeah it's just really good you also have really a lot of bird activity and we're not we're going to get to a different activity in a minute but a lot of people come up there for the birding too don't you have an activity for that in march yeah we do so saturday march 26th we have a spring open house um we're going to have some educational talks about the birds in the area and 
just kind of appreciating um, all the birds that are around here and how beautiful they are. So the visitor center that day will be open from 9 to 4 if you want to join us, but you're welcome any other time in the day to stop by yourself and take a look. And I believe you put some feeders out to help attract the birds, is that right? We do, yes. Those are out every day. Yeah, so now the other thing before we get to your activity, and it kind of transitions right into it, and that's the trails up there. The park is quite large, plus it, it it's right up against a lot of other public land. There's just extensive trail systems for almost any type of trail use up there, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. So we have trails that you can use all year round for things from hiking, snowshoeing, snowmobiling, cross-country skiing. We've got it all. Now, is a lot of this uh, activity, and is it spelled out on a website or a Facebook page if people want more information about the park? Yeah, we update our Facebook page weekly, um, so it's very up-to-date with current events and trail conditions, uh, more specifically in the summer for trail conditions. But, yeah, we really keep up with that, and our website has a lot of really great updates, too. Now, we talked about this last week, but tonight, if people want to come up, if they're looking for something to do on this gorgeous weekend, you have a tremendous event, and that's your full moon. It's kind of hike, snowshoe, cross-country ski. Tell me about that. Yeah, so this evening, um, people can come whenever they'd like, but along our Gould Loop by the Moose Visitor Center, we're going to be doing um, a hike. It's lit up by the moon and by some lights that we put out uh, down to a fire. Um, so we'll have a little bonfire, be hanging out. We've got hot chocolate and just encourage people to come be social and come hang out outside under the full moon. And what, what times will you actually be, you know, officially doing the activity? Uh, 7 o'clock is when we'll start. Um, we'll have the fire out there. We'll be out there. Um, but people are welcome anytime, like I said. All right. And this, and this starts at the visitor center, which is right along Highway 14. It's easy to find. And how long of a hike? Do you know, I mean, you don't going to go into the evening but you know how long of a hike it is if you just wanted to hike in go to the fire and hike out if you didn't want to hang around how long would it take do you think yeah but it's about three-fourths of a mile to where we're going to have the fire but part of the fun is going to be hanging out at the fire and having hot chocolate and you look up you know the air will be crisp but it's going to be beautiful out because it's going to be warm today and the full moon coming through and it lighting up the snow sounds like just a great great event Yes, absolutely. All right, Emily, thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully we'll get a lot of people up there to just have some fun in the outdoors. Yeah, thank you. I hope to see a lot of people there, too. All right. Emily Graham from State Forest State Park. Go to the either the web page or the Facebook page. You know, I think Parks is doing a lot more of their updates on Facebook now. As we all know, social media is a lot easier to update than going in and making updates to a website. So um, a lot of parks and a lot of entities are using Facebook or social media, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, to update activities and conditions at their uh, facilities. So you might want to follow the different state parks you want to take part in uh, on Facebook. And this hike is just, this is just beautiful country. So if you're just a hiker or wildlife watcher, you head up to State Forest State Park this afternoon, hike, you should have a nice drive back. No snow is supposed to come in until next week. We should just be a really great time. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few things we don't want you to do in the outdoors right now and put stress on all of our big game. All that and more 
coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. And, you know, everything we talk about in this show, whether it's hunting, fishing, camping, uh, dog training, Jack's has the gear to outfit you in their outdoor stores and some of their combination stores, which are the farm and ranch stores, too. Just stop by and take a look. That's all I ask. Stop by and check them out. You'll become a regular shopper. Let's go to the phones. And uh, joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Travis Duncan. Good morning, Travis. Hey, good morning, Terry. What a, isn't that a beautiful day? Is this gorgeous? It is. It's absolutely beautiful out. Oh, it's, it's we're going to get some cold weather, but this is going to be an incredible weekend. However, as I teased coming out of the last segment, there's some places we'd rather people didn't go outdoors right now, um, and for especially for some particular reasons. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, it just puts stress. Big game animals and a lot of animals in Colorado. They fatten up all summer and fall, and they live off that energy all winter. And we start getting towards this time of the year. It doesn't take much to stress them and put a, and really put them in a bad situation. And the activity in the areas we're talking about not going out uh, are west of I-25, and that's to hunt antlers. Tell us exactly what the regulations are and why. Well, sure thing. So we've, we've had this closure in place since 2018 on collecting shed antlers on public lands west of I-25 uh, from January 1st through April 30th. And that's that's because during the, the winter months, big game are in their, their survival mode when food is scarce. And so if they're forced to move and burn calories unnecessarily, they can lose some of those vital energy stores that they've been uh, putting on during the summer and fall months uh, and gets them through until the spring. And so that's why we have that that closure in place now we don't want to play, paint the picture that hunting for shed antlers is a bad thing you're not discouraging that just don't do it now is that right that's right just through that april 30th date west of i-25 we um so that we can protect our our big game populations we we know that shed antler collecting has become very popular uh, um, the interest in personal and commercial collection has led to a substantial increase in the number of people who are searching for antlers across big game winter range in Colorado. And so um, that's why we put that prohibition in place. And this isn't just a recommendation. There's some teeth in this, right? There are some repercussions. Well, so so that's right. If, if you are uh, found collecting antlers or you could be charged with harassing wildlife, um, our Parks and Wildlife officers cite individuals for violating that regulation as well. And so you could face uh, up to $137 fine uh, per violation, in addition to separate fines for illegal possession of each shed antler and as well as five license suspicion, suspension points assessed for each violation. So it, there is yep some, some teeth in it, as you said. And, you know, we don't want to paint people as bad guys. We don't want to be a police area. We want them to, to understand that this is for the welfare of those animals and that how, it means if you're a wildlife watcher, if you're a hunter, whatever you love the outdoors, we all love to interact with animals. This is just not a good time for big game animals, especially we get to our spring, the snow gets deeper and less food is available. And it isn't just shedding antlers. We want them to be responsible in other activities while they're in these areas too, right? 
Sure, yes, definitely. And we do encourage folks um, who are out to to respect wildlife, give them their distance, bring your binoculars or other optics so that um, you can you can watch wildlife, enjoy all the fantastic species, wildlife species we have out on the landscape in Colorado, but do it in a way that, that gives you a little distance between yourself and that animal so we, we keep that animal wild and don't get it too habituated to being close to humans. So it's great a great idea to bring your binoculars or your spotting scopes or those kind of things out with you when you're recreating. Well, yeah, and a lot of people this time of the year as the weather starts to warm, hopefully, it doesn't look like it next week, but hopefully a lot of people are going to be snowmobiling and they're going to be hiking, cross-country skiing, snowshoeing. All of these activities done in the wrong area, it doesn't take much to move these animals this time of the year because they're kind of out in the open. They're exposed, aren't they? It's it's true, yep, and... um you know, we we see social media vi- media videos every year of of people getting too close to animals or just um, yeah, not giving them the space they need. And so, just try to take take advantage of this time to to remind folks, uh, yeah, to whatever your activity you're engaged in, uh, you're you're sharing that landscape with with wildlife. And so, to be aware and give them their distance whenever possible. And another thing, before I want to move on to something else, but before I do, another thing we really don't want you to do is don't try to feed the big game, right? That's right. Yeah, um, you know, it's never it's illegal to feed wildlife in Colorado. Don't don't feed big game, whether that's deer, elk. They they uh, need to just find the food on their own, be accustomed to those natural food sources, and um, feeding feeding wild animals is is never a good idea, and, and usually ends up bad for for the animal as, as well as can be dangerous to people. So you're absolutely right. It gathers them in areas where they wouldn't normally gather. It spreads disease. It makes them more vulnerable. And a lot of the things people feed them, they don't digest properly and they actually get sick from because they don't understand. They want to throw some hay to them or something. So I think the message we're trying to get with this, the shed antlers right now, you can't go gather them west of I-25 till after April, into April. Just, but the big message is to, take care of our wildlife so we have big game here for a long time. And speaking of big game, I want to take the last few minutes. I know the big game brochures are out. What's the update there? Definitely. So, yeah, remind folks that March 1st is the opening of the primary draw application period that uh, that runs March 1st through April 5th, and, and folks can start checking out um, what's new um it, this year in the 2022 Colorado Big Game brochures, they can find that on Parks and Wildlife's website. We also put out an annual What's New video that's uh, just a good update if you're just wanting to know um, just what are the highlights of, of what's new or what the hunters need to know. So um, if you've hunted Big Game in Colorado the past few years, you know we've got the new qualifying license um, thing in place that, that folks need to participate in or uh, purchase a small game license as their qualifying license, basically in order to be able to apply for the big game license. So that's still in place this year. You're familiar with that. If you've um, hunted big game the past few years in Colorado, um, there are other, other changes in there that um, definitely encourage folks uh, to check out as things like um, for archery hunters, there's no longer a maximum let off percentage for handheld bows. So um, that's new this year. Um, we also have an archery clothing suggestion. So, um, we're encouraging archery, deer, elk, moose, and bear hunters are encouraged. They're not required to wear a fluorescent orange or pink during the overlapping archery and muzzleloader season to help address safety concerns. Uh, that date is actually September 10th through 18th for those who are interested in that. But just encouraging folks uh, 
out of safety. It's not a requirement, but to consider if you're archery hunting to, to wear a fluorescent orange or pink during that time. Yeah, I, I, I want to make some comments here. I, I want to be a little more harsh than maybe you want to be about it. <laughs> archery, archery hunters, when they overlap with firearm hunting, shouldn't have to wear orange or pink. I mean, they're trying to become blend in. They're trying to be camouflage, although where there's some discrepancy in whether these animals can see color or not and just the breakup. So dress appropriately. Don't expose yourself to danger. But I want to talk to the, the anybody who's using a firearm and would shoot somebody that's in camouflage. Where were you aiming at that deer or elk that you were not going to just wound it or it's going to run away if it was a deer or elk? Because you couldn't even determine if it was. And the first, one of the first tenets of firearm safety is know your target and what's behind it. And I think that I'm a, I'm a gun owner, I'm a firearm supporter, but good common sense usually will prevent most of these things from happening. Travis, I'll give you, we got about a minute left. Last comments. Yeah, Terry, just just to address that final thing, appreciate that. Yep, you, you're absolutely right. That that know your target and what's behind it is absolutely a key tenet of hunter education safety. And so, um, appreciate you sharing that message and and just encourage folks to check out this year's 2022 Big Game brochure and get ready for the the March first uh, primary draw applications opening up. And that didn't get that information online. Is it? Are the brochures at the licensed sales part uh, stores and things now too? Yep, they should be reaching stores here um, any any minute. If they're not there already, they're going out now, and the it, the online version is already up. So, um, and we definitely encourage folks to to check that out throughout the season, as you know, because updates can be made. Uh, so the, the the online version is available, and you should be able to find the the new brochure uh, available at local outlets up soon, as well as Parks and Wildlife offices. All right. Thank you, Travis. Always great having you on. A wealth of information. We love getting Parks and Wildlife on to keep people up to date on what's going on. Thank you for joining us today. Definitely. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Travis Duncan from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We come back after this break. We're going to talk about uh, inexpensive ways to target practice and shoot. You know, the price of ammo is so high and some fun ways. And then we're going to have Nate Zielinski join us on top of the second hour. We're going to talk ice fishing. All that and so much more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. When life has got you down and the world's crashing all around, Always count on me. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. By the way, that song was from my music group, Wickstrom and Dobrith, which you can find on social media and almost every streaming service. Just, you know what? We'd appreciate it. Go search Wickstrom and Dobrith and stream a few of our songs. Let us know what you think or follow us on your favorite social media. But thank, thanks to Ty for playing that in there. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from the Trigger Time Gun Club is Nate Freeman. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing well, and I looked at the weather forecast, and it's going to get below zero next week. So if I do any practicing next week, it will be in the warm confines of the Trigger Time Gun Club. I think that's a good call. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I, I do, too. Uh, you know, I, I know we have a topic we want to get to on Rimfire. But sure. before we do, um, I, I'm a big proponent of shooting as a perishable skill. And I get busy, and I don't practice as much as I should. But when I come to trigger time, I'm indoors. I'm not worried about the cold or the wind. I can concentrate on my my, tri- my trigger control, my sight picture, all the things that I need to build that muscle memory for, and, and I can get that done. And then when I'm out in other situations, I don't have to think about those basics. I can compensate whether I'm hunting, whether I'm plinking, whether it's self-defense. I just have to think about operating the firearm because I'm, I'm familiar with it. And, you know, it kind of leads right into using, you want to talk about using rimfires practice. Well, why would we want to do that? Well, sure. Um, and you bring up several good points. As far as the perishable skill, none of us escape that. So we all need to keep up on it on a regular basis, hopefully, if we can. And, you know, as life would have it, you know, that's what happens when we're busy making other plans, right? So having the membership is great because it's less of an event to go to the range. You can show up and shoot for 20 minutes if you want or stay for an hour and practice, and it just works out great that way. So now, as far as practicing those skills on a regular basis... We've all experienced for the last two years uh, basically soaring ammo prices, uh, amongst other things, and that's made it a, a bit more difficult for a lot of us to practice on a continual basis with our, our larger caliber firearms. So it's just a perfect lead into one of my all-time favorite parts of the hobby, which is rimfire. So when I say rimfire, mainly we're going to just talk about twenty-two long rifle type cartridges, uh, but it's a great way to practice your fundamental skill set, your, your safety basics, of course, and then as you practice those fundamental skills, when you do go to your other forums or you're going to go shoot outdoors or go hunting or you're going to go to a bigger caliber, say a 9mm or a 380, you have those fundamental skills that will cross over to the next big thing uh, as far as a bigger gun. So it's a great way to keep your skills sharp or to improve your skills. And it's one of those things, we, one of the quotes that uh, Paul and I love saying at the shop is, man, you should never outgrow a 22. I don't care how experienced you are or how new you are. It's a great way to get into the sport. Well, and I have, um, I, I, I buy my firearms from you guys, and I have a 22 M&P that's almost identical in size and fit to my my uh, my nine millimeter carry gun. And right. so, and Karen and I both shoot that 22. Um, and another thing that when I'm working on fundamentals, or when Karen is too, although she seems to not need to, which just irritates the hell out of me, but, <laughs> but, um, that you don't have the recoil. Cause I find myself even, even as much as I shoot that I'll be, if I go to the range, I haven't been for a few weeks. The first time I shoot my nine millimeter, I'll flinch. And, yep. and yep. with that 22, you just don't do that. You just, you, you stay with the, your control. You stay with the shot. You see your, your sight picture. It's just, it's such a more efficient way to practice. Right, right. It's it, you're correct. So your our mind and our brain and our body will will react less to it because it's less noise and it's less recoil. And so it's just a yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to to focus on that for sure. Well, you know, another aspect you and I've talked about shooting twenty twos is because the price of ammunition is more reasonable, and you can shoot it along without suffering from recoil, you can do a lot of fun things too, like shoot at targets maybe out further than you normally would or, or try doing things with a little twenty two that you, you might go, wow, I made that shot. Do you find yourself doing that sometimes? Oh, absolutely. That's actually what you just described is how I got into the shooting sports initially many, many years ago. I, 
I started out with a little 22 bolt action rifle from CZ, one of our favorite companies. Um, and then I started with a little semi-automatic, uh, Walther P22 for myself back, back in that time. So it was a fun way to practice, uh, you know, closer in as well, but just like you said, it was a chance to start stretching my legs a little bit, so to speak, as far as my skill set and say, you know what, maybe I can hit that target at, at a further distance. And, and, uh, sure enough, with, with time and practice, that would absolutely happen. And again, you know, one of our instructors always says practice makes permanent. So you, you practice with those fundamental skills and safety you work on and keep progressing along with that good foundation and you're going to be good to go. But also, like you said, it's a, it's a great way to keep practicing that and having fun, but it's, significantly cheaper as far as ammo costs go so yeah what <clears throat> give us an indication of rimfire costs say some 22 long rifle ammunition compared to say nine millimeter sure nine millimeter is all over the map right now and it depends on who you ask and who you talk to but we see it constantly costing anywhere from 20 to 30 dollars per box still for 50 or cartridges um, and 22, you can get from, we'll say roughly five to 10 bucks a box for 50 cartridges. And that's for good ammo, good quality stuff. So, yeah, it really, it really is. And you know, it doesn't take up a lot of room. You can buy and store it if you want to buy some. And what about getting yep. into a firearm? Let's just say that I came in and I'm looking for a, a 22 semi-automatic handgun that want to mm -hmm. teach myself that I'm going to be learning sure. handgun skills or practicing. What kind of price ranges am I looking at? Well, again, that can be all over the map as well. I would say a really good starting point would be around $400. That'll get you into, let's say, a Glock 44, or maybe if you can find them, the Smith & Wesson M&P, like you practice with, is one of our all-time favorites. They've just, uh, unfortunately, it's been very hard with availability on certain platforms still. Uh, we're still seeing a lot of back orders in the industry, but there are ways to work around it, and there's always a a decent option out there, but yeah, starting at 400 and going up from there for sure. I tell you what, I've owned several 22s and I've traded some of them in and gone to different models. And I really have fallen in love with that M and P. But if you, um, if you want to get something that's really a target 22 to stretch your legs, as you said, the Ruger offers a great offering too, don't they? Ruger is one of our favorites. We, you know what, those have been another one that normally we would have a selection of them on the shelf and, they have been so hard to get for the last two years. Uh, we literally have one right now, and it's been the first one we've had in months. Um, but uh, Ruger makes a great one. We're also a dealer for Volkortsen, which is like your hot-rotted Ruger with all sorts of nice parts on them. They're phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, there there are several really good choices out there. And a lot of the manufacturers are starting to figure this out and figure there's a market for it. So they're adapting similar platforms that they already have into a 22 base. So it's cool to see that happening as well. Well, your retail is open to the public. The best thing would be yep. for people to come in and talk to you guys because, you yep. know, if you come there, you're going to get the advantage of the knowledge you guys have, and, and you can yep. tell them what's going on in the market. Why don't you tell people how they find Trigger Time, Nate? Well, you can come and find us at our physical location, 3575 Stagecoach Road in Longmont, Colorado, 80504. Uh, you can also find us online at www.triggertimegunclub.com. You can always call us, too. That's 303-651-0816. All right, my friend, and I really need to get in and practice this week. It looks like it's going to be cold. I'll probably bring Karen with me. It'll embarrass me because she'll make me look bad, but I need to practice. So we'll probably see you in a few days there, my friend. Sounds good. We'll get you on our new rental 22 rifle, too. Ask me about it when you come in. All right, okay. new rental 22. I'm making a note. Absolutely. Thank you, Nate. 
Thanks, right. Terry. Thank you, Appreciate Nate. You, you bet. Mm-hmm. Nate, you Bye. bet. Nate Freeman from Trigger Time Gun Club. Just go to TriggerTimeGunClub.com. Check it out. Stop by. You know, go in there. It, 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 open to the public to walk in the retail. They'll let you see the facility. Maybe you want to become a member. Maybe not. But if, you don't, if you're a shooter and you don't check it out, you're doing a disservice. We're going to take a time out. We come back. Nate Zielinski is going to join us, and we'll talk ice fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.